And let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. It's a good thing uh, our windows are kind of, you're not able to see out. I think you'd be distracted this morning by the flakes. So keep your eye on this flake up here. All right, yes, I'm here all week. Thank you. It is pretty out there. I, I knew we had two things against us this morning. Spring forward. I knew we were going to lose some this morning because of the, you know, clocks going forward. And then you add in some snow, even the mention of snow. Oh, we're staying home today. <laughs> so I hope they're watching uh, via the live stream. But I'm glad you folks ventured out. Uh, and uh, I hope you, you make it home safe uh, through the Eastern North Carolina winter blizzard that's taking place today. So uh, be careful out there. Um, we continue our study through the book of Hebrews, and we find ourselves today in Hebrews 4. Uh, we're going to pick back up. I know we went into verse 11, uh, but we're going to pick up from there and kind of uh, go forward at that point. And... Uh, so it's kind of staying with the theme from last time, and last time we spoke about rest. And so I want to kind of continue that thought and that theme this morning with finding rest for your soul. And uh, we live in a, in a day that uh, there's a lot of angst in our heart, a lot of circumstances that tend to uh, try and steal, kill, and destroy uh, our peace. And that's nothing new, really. Yes, it may seem a little more rampant today. It seems like things come at you a lot faster. Um, but I can assure you, and we'll see this morning, that um, uh, the enemy's tactics are the same as they were from day one. Uh, but I'm also thankful to know that our God is never changing. And it's that... Uh, confidence that we need to have in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of storms, trials in life, to know that there is rest in Christ. Uh, when He is in your boat, uh, you need not fear. Better yet, when you're in His boat, uh, that's where we find peace. So we're going to look at some, uh, some of this again today, finding rest for your soul. And let's uh, begin our reading in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and following. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from His sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I pray this morning that you will fill me with the Holy Spirit, that I will be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. You will give me clarity of thought, that you will help me to rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, I pray that the study that has gone in this week would be brought out in clear communication. I pray that the heart of the listeners would be in a place to receive the truth. I ask for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I pray in the areas where you deal in our heart and our life that we would not be hardened to it. We would not reject it. We would not puff up in defense against it. But that we would hear your voice and we would humble ourselves in response to your word, to what you would have for us to hear this morning. So speak to us through your word. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I ask that you be made much of here today. I pray that you draw us near. We give you the praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Finding rest for your soul. We'll see if this thing actually works. I guess I should probably cut it on. I'm assuming it's on. Would that be a wrong assumption? It probably would be. There we go. It is working. Thank you, Lord. We can rest because we have, and if you notice in your text, we can rest because we have the Word of God. Notice if you would in verse 11 through 13. He says that, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now that sounds kind of like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Be diligent to rest. I don't know about you, I work hard at resting on my day off. Ask my children. (laughs) But it's interesting here that the writer of Hebrews tells us, again, and he's been going through all these examples of how Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophet. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. And his predominant audience is this Jewish audience, mixed bag of chips, believers, non-believers, those right at the door of decision. And he's talked about the rest that the Israelites who came out of Egypt were not able to enter into the rest of the promised land because of unbelief. Twelve spies, ten, didn't believe that they could do it. Two said, yes we can because God has promised us they had faith. They were able to enter in. The other ten were not. 40 years of wandering in the desert as a result of their disbelief. They didn't enter the rest. 
David in Psalm 95, which we talked about, in, in, it's quoted in this text. That's why hundreds of years later, David is saying the same thing about rest. Obviously, they didn't, Joshua didn't lead them into the, the rest, even though they went into the promised land under him. They still didn't find the rest. David didn't find it in his time. What's the writer's point? He's saying that that rest is still available. But the rest is not just a superficial surface level in this life. There's an eternal rest. And that's why he gave you the comparison. If you go back and read about the in the beginning, when God created, He rested on the seventh day. And we talked about that the term rest is used differently throughout this writing. And there's a reason for that. Because there were, there's a variety of rest, if you will. There was that promised land rest uh, in the land that they could have rested from the wars, but they did not obey God. And so that's why even in Joshua, when he let them in, they continued to fight while they were in the land. There's a variety of rests that are mentioned. But there's, these all are types and shadows that point to the sabbatical rest, the Sabbath rest, the, the, the rest that we find in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment. And that is where we're going to find our rest. Not only a rest eternally, but even a rest right now in this land that you possess, in this temple, if you will, that you walk around in. We can be at rest even though life stinks. If you're facing stinky situations, just know... You can still be at rest. You can still have peace when we're in that right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. When we do counseling, one of the first things we do in the life exchange counseling model is we start with the Spirit. I believe man is triune. We're going to look here in a text in just a little bit. Uh, this text maybe lends itself to representing that we are triune in our being, spirit, soul, and body. We are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Now, my dichotomous friends, that's a fancy term that simply says this, they don't believe that man is a triune being. They believe man is made up in two parts, material and immaterial. Okay? They'll say that when you look at this text, that no, it's not speaking to, to a person being a triune. It's, it's a speaking to a person being material, immaterial. I say that argument's immaterial myself because at the end of the day, we're created in the image of God. I believe when we read the pages of Scripture, it becomes clear God is a triune being. We're created in His image. But we start with in our counseling... Where is your standing with God? So we begin in the Spirit. Why is that important? It's vital. I can't tell you how many times, not only in the counselee's life, but even in this counselor's life, because I'm human too, that when I find myself in the midst of battles and struggles and problems, whatever we face... Whatever struggles you're facing, 
whether they be addiction problems, whether they be marital problems, whether they be financial problems, whatever your problems are, there is a root cause to your problem. And it always goes back to here first. We've got to start here. So one of the first things we begin to do in our counseling is to look at the spirit of man. And so we begin to start with salvation. A lot of folks may be experiencing problems because they're not saved. They may be under heavy conviction. They may have made a profession of faith, but they're not a possessor of faith. They think, like in Hebrews, many of them thought they were okay, but they had gotten to the promised land and fell away because of unbelief. And we see this happening, and we kind of... We Turn a blind eye to it. We, we don't want to push back against and question somebody's profession of faith because we don't know their heart. We don't know if they really do believe and follow Christ. So that's not my place, and it's not my place. It's God's place. But guys, don't let the enemy tell you you shouldn't question someone's salvation. More importantly, we better get them to question their own salvation. Paul himself says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all these things? And these are pretty amazing works if you think about that. That they did in the name of God. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. So we always want to start in our life exchange counseling with, are you truly born again? Or are you banking on, I prayed a prayer that has never affected my life to the point that it changed me, it transformed me, it transformed my heart, it transformed the way I think. I can't live the same anymore because when I go through life and I do things that are wrong, that the Scripture clearly spells out is wrong, I'm actually convicted by it. You'd be surprised. I believe there's been a many a conversions that have taken place with people who have quote unquote walked with the Lord for years only to find out that they didn't. And someone cared enough to get them to think deeply about did they make a decision for Christ? Was it an emotional moment? It's okay to think deeply about our relationship with God. We must. Lest we should be like them that come short and fall away. That's why it's so confusing for some of us sometimes when we know people who grew up in the church. Man, they were here all the time. I remember them as a kid. I remember them as a teenager. I, I don't know what happened. And then they walk away and they live out in the world. Never see them again. Well, I believe they're saved. Yet every fruit that's displayed on their tree tells us otherwise. Now again, God's long rope of grace is a long rope of grace. And He may let you go years, 
years. And then he says, that's enough. That's God's prerogative. But I would much rather talk to someone out of a heart of love and say, I'm concerned by what I'm seeing in your life and I care enough to question, do you know for sure you're born again? I'm not, I don't want to talk anybody out of their salvation. I couldn't even if I wanted to. But if they were talked into a moment and there wasn't true transformation, then they are walking a life being deceived. I'd hate to get to the throne room of God to stand before God one day and to know I didn't question so-and-so. I didn't challenge them to think deeply. They thought they were okay. They sat under the church ministry of Community Baptist Church day in, day out, thinking they were on their way to heaven, thinking they were okay because, hey, they prayed a prayer in 1974. They repeated it verbatim, just like the man told them. We must examine ourselves. Be diligent. You know, the first point we talked about here in finding rest in, in the text this morning, it, it, it's, it's the Word of God. So if you're struggling with whatever situation you're struggling with, can I encourage you that maybe your rest needs to be found in the Word of God? Oh, you're looking everywhere else for your answers. You're looking for counsel from this buddy. You're looking for counsel from that friend. You're, you're looking to the latest, you know, scientific research, whatever. You're looking everywhere but a source that will give you peace and give you rest. The Word of God. These Israelites had the Word of God. God promised, you can take the land. You can have it. It's yours. I will fight for you. Yet ten of the twelve said... Can't do it. I can tell you, statistics have not improved. 10 out of 12 professing Christians say, I can't. I can't. You don't understand, Pastor. I can't give up this addiction. I, I can't give up this relationship. I, I, I can't stop doing this, going there. You know what's really being said? I don't believe what God has told me. Because let me give you a, a, a news flash here. God has promised you victory has already been won. Jesus Christ has already defeated the enemy who is nagging you, bothering you, tempting you. He's a defeated foe. And yet, I'm still going to allow myself to stay in a cage when the door's unlocked. I always use this in my counseling because it's, I've lived this one and so I know and so I'm not picking on anybody. If this is your struggle, I, I'm not picking on you. 
I'm just telling you this because this is my story and this is what I have experienced. Many of you have heard it many times before. But if this is your struggle and God puts His finger on you, praise be to God. But for me, when God got a hold of my life and radically changed me, He delivered me out of a life that was a very moral lifestyle. A life where I loved to drink. Recreational drugs, no such thing. All kinds of these struggles and delivered me out of that. Praise be to God. Took the desire, no more desire on those things that I once used to delight in, that I used to actually enjoy. Tobacco was another one. Oh, here he goes again with that tobacco sermon. But guys, I'm telling you from... I, this one was hard. I still, just last week, had a dream. I had a big chaw of tobacco in my mouth. But you know what's so funny about the, the dreams I now have about my chewing tobacco is I'm actually like choking on it. <laughs> and I have to like stick both all my fingers down in there and try and pull it out. It's like this recurring dream where I got to pull off the tobacco out of my throat. Whew. I knew I shouldn't have started that at age 10. But I struggled. I remember being at Bible college and... And being upset about something, I, I don't know, maybe I don't, it might have been after our first and only fight, honey. <laughs> Y'all believe that one, right? No. It was one of three. But who's keeping record? But I remember I got in my car, and I was mad, mad at the world. Oh, I know what I'll do. Well, yes, I will. I've been walking straight and narrow, but I'm not today. I'm going to pop the trunk and I'm going to find Where is it? Yes, there it is in my golf bag where it belongs. For those of you, anyway, never mind. So I put in my big chaw and I drove around Winston-Salem and I spit fire. Man, I feel better now. I feel better. Yeah. All right. Now I'm good, I'm good, I got that out of my system, and I'm going to go over to Lawrence Joe Coliseum, and I'm going to meet up with my college buddies, and so I'm good now, I better clean my teeth, better put this cap on here, I'm going to carry this in, throw it in the trash, there's no evidence of my crime. And I remember walking into the big Lawrence Joe Coliseum, and I threw that in the trash, and I walked in there, and I stepped into that arena, and as soon as I stepped in there to hear the revivalist preaching, I stepped in and I heard him say, some of you are struggling with tobacco. And I'm telling you, you better put it down. Whoa, doesn't even come close to describing, and I'm going to be honest, a fear, a reverential fear gripped my soul. I mean, it, it was scary. To think that God would have me driving around Winston-Salem, allowing me to go here and there and everywhere, to pull in and stop, to 
do all that needed to be done to walk into that arena at that specific, precise moment to hear those words. Now guys, is it still sometimes a thought? Is it still surface? I just told you it does. And I ain't as strong as you think I am. I still put prunes. You show up at my house, I have big water prunes in my jaw when I'm mowing the grass. Don't think I'm chewing. I'm not. It's prunes. Keeps me regular. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, my hat. Anyway, never mind. My old folks liked that one, didn't they? <laughs> too much. Too much info. Yes, indeed. Sorry, kids. Daddy did it again. All right. But guys, I say that to say, yes, we have struggles. Yes, we have different battles and things that come against us. But can I tell you, the Word of God is faithful. He would not have told you you have victory in this fight if you don't have victory. You do have victory. We're just not living it. We're not appropriating it. And that's why when we have marital problems and marital strife, it's because we're acting like carnal people. We're not acting like believers. We're not taking God at His Word. We're assessing the situation and the circumstances by our own understanding. Instead of yielding and surrendering and saying, okay, God, you purchased my life. My life belongs to you. Therefore, let me glorify you. What would you have me do? Well, God, that's kind of hard. Before a man builds a tower, he better count the cost, right? Before you go to war, you better make sure you can win. Well, I didn't sign up for this, preacher. Yes, you did. If you claim to have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, why would you not expect Him to put His finger on areas in your life at any given point in your life and say, give it up. Surrender it to me. Let me deal with the problem. But because we're like oftentimes those who came out of Egypt... We don't really believe it. I don't really believe God cares about that area. I don't really believe that there's help in that. I don't. Be diligent. You know, the, the word leaves us vulnerable, doesn't it? That's what the Hebrews writer is wanting them to say here. Notice what it does. Notice what it does here. It says, if you'll, if you'll follow along, let us therefore be diligent. To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Again, they didn't enter in because they were disobedient. You can choose to do what you're going to do and be disobedient in whatever it is, or you can yield to the Word of God. He goes on, he says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see spirit, you see soul, and you see body right there in that text. But what is the Word of God? It's powerful. It's living. It's not like some other book on your shelf. It's alive. 
That's why when the Word of God is preached and your conscience is pricked, your heart is convicted as if somebody told you, somebody told the pastor you were coming. <gasps> Ever notice how that happens? Ever show up in a, in a service or, or there's something in your Sunday school class or, 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 or whatever, it, when you hear the Word of God and you go, ooh, how do they know? What, somebody must have told them. Guys, the Word of God is, is alive. The Spirit of God takes the truth and delivers it. And it discerns our thoughts and intents of our heart. That's power. That's why when I walk into a stadium and that Word is being taught, and in the moment, the truth that was being shared, cut. They knew God had promised them this, but they didn't believe it. They refused to believe it. Many of you know what God's Word says, but you refuse to believe it. It's that simple. He says that's wrong. But you say it's okay. He says, do this. This is right. But you say, but I can't. He said, this is my desire for you and your family. This is, this is the model I want you to follow. This is the pattern. But Lord, it's so much easier to just... Word of God is alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it exposes us. Hey, uh, I, didn't, I didn't practice this. Luke, come up here a second, buddy. I'm sorry, I know I'm going to embarrass you. Not too bad. If I could have you help for just a second. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. I meant to ask you if I could do this, but too late. Thank you for obeying your father, son. <laughs> come here, buddy. Daddy loves you. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. I want you to stand here. I'm going to give you an idea. Uh, if you look in that, in that Scripture passage, where it's, you see the word where it says open? Let, let's hold your spot right here, Luke. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Hold your spot right there. I know. Awkward. All right. If, if you'll notice here, he says that the Word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. You know what that word open means? This is going to be a graphic illustration. Not really. <laughs> that sounds terrible, didn't it? All right. Just relax. The idea of the throat exposed. Many times it would... That, uh, go ahead, you can sit down. I know, I don't want to get too... It's the idea... Oftentimes in battle, the enemy, the wrestler, would take his opponent just before the sword. This was vulnerability. He's exposed. 
That's the word that's used here. It's the, the Greek word trachelesio, trachea. It's where the idea. It's to seize and to twist the neck or throat. It's of combatants who handle thus their antagonists. To bend the neck of a victim to be slain. To lay bare or expose by bending back. To lay bare, uncover, expose, laid bare, lay open, made manifest to one. And the Word of God exposes us. There is nothing hidden. Sobering thought, church. Every sinful deed is exposed. That which is in dark will be brought to light. Apart from the saving grace of God, I shudder. And even with the saving grace of God, we still work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right? Be diligent. The Word of God helps us to be exposed. It's okay, I know. I know it. We don't want to be vulnerable. Us men, macho, macho man. None of you guys especially. Let's be honest. We don't, we don't want to be vulnerable. We, we've bought the lie that somehow that's just not manly. Newsflash, it's very manly. Jesus wept. The Word of God exposes us. What else is the Word of God? Let me give you some things that the Word of God does. Let's see if I can get this thing to work right. You going to click for me or am I clicking? Because I don't know if this clicker is working. All right, God's Word. God's Word brings true health, fruitfulness, prosperity, and success to the things we do. Psalm 1.3. What else does God's Word do? The Word of God has healing power. has the power to deliver us from oppression. What else does God's Word do? God's Word is cleansing. If we take heed according to God's Word, the psalmist asks, how can a young man cleanse his way? It's one of the first passages of Scripture I internalized. Because I was a young man who needed his way cleansed. How, God? How? How can I cleanse my way? By taking heed. By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Guys, the Word of God does more than just save you. It sanctifies you. Jesus said that in His prayer. He said, praying about His followers, keep them, Lord, and He talks about Thy Word sanctifies them. The Word of God hid in our heart keeps us from sin. What else does the Word of God do? God's Word is our counselor. As we delight in God's Word, it becomes a rich source of counsel and guidance for us. Continuing on, God's Word is a source of strength. Psalm 119.28 What else does God's Word do? 
God's Word imparts life to us. It is a continual source of life for us. Hey, why do you get more water? Because I'm thirsty. Yeah. Would you get more water if you weren't thirsty? Probably not. Are you thirsty for the Word of God? We should be, right? What else? God's Word is a source of illumination and guidance to us. When God's Word comes in, so does light. It makes the simple wise. I liked that one when I got saved, man. I got to tell you the truth. There was a couple of passages that, that this old redneck boy from Southwest Randolph High School liked. You mean the simple can be wise? Bing, bing, bing. Even I understood that one. <laughs> if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. I started asking because I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Somebody's like, it still ain't. Thank you to hold that comment to yourself. Guys, it does though. It helps give wisdom. It helps to make the simple wise. And as you begin to actually explore God's Word, instead of listening to your drunk friends give their counsel on what the Bible really says, you start to understand things you never understood before. Because the natural man doesn't discern the things of the Spirit. He can't. It's foolishness to him. That's why you hear these foolish things on you know, debates and TV and, and, and again, uh, non-believers and even professing believers who really deny they believe God by their lifestyle. And they give you all this sounding good, great information. Sounds great, sounds wise in the world's eyes, but it's foolishness. And they can't discern the things of the Spirit. So what else? God's Word gives peace to those who love it. We're talking about rest. You want rest? Fall in love with God's Word again. You need peace in your life? Ask God to give you a new heart and a love for His Word. They're secure, standing in a safe place. Psalm 119, 165. What else does God's Word do? When the Word of God is heard and understood, it bears fruit. If you seek counsel in whatever you're facing from the Word of God, you will see fruit. Now, it may not be what you expected. It may not have been what you wanted. But I promise you, if you walk in faith and obedience to what God has revealed, there is great reward in that. What else does God's Word tell us? The Word of God has inherent power and authority against demonic powers. A lot of the oppression that many people face, it's demonic. We're told we're in a spiritual battle. Why should this surprise us? So put on the whole armor of God. Stand in the power of His might, not your own. You'll find defense and offense with the Word of God. What else? Jesus Himself, His eternal person, is described as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. 
praise be to God, this past Sunday night, Nate was going over this passage with his teens, and there were a couple of teenagers in the group that had a, what we call an aha moment. Two of them, a boy and a girl, both. You know what? I've read this before, and I never understood that. That's saying that, because later on it says Jesus came in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. They had an aha moment. They put it together. God spoke through His Word, and the Spirit of God delivered understanding to their heart, and they said, ah, that's what that means. That is awesome. To God be the glory. So, what else does God's Word do? What else is God's Word about? God's Word also is hearing God's Word is essential to eternal life. You cannot pass from death into life unless you've heard the Word of God. The Word of God, the seed must be sown. It must be watered. Life is in the seed. Right? So here's... God's Word being planted, the Holy Spirit brings forth fruit in His season. Just be faithful to witness, guys. Community Baptist Church, we're not going to measure our success by how many people are walking forward making a profession of faith. In fact, we may never ever see a soul come forward and pray a prayer and receive Christ. That may never happen. And that's okay as long as we are faithful to do what God has told us to do. And that is to share our faith, to go and make disciples. Jeremiah had no converts. Ezekiel, watchman on the wall. You're going to go to the stiff-necked people and they're not going to hear you. They're not going to listen. But if you don't, their blood will be on your hands. Guys, we will not, we cannot, as good Bible students, measure success whether we're pass or fail because people get saved or don't get saved. That's the wrong measuring stick. The measuring stick is to hear one day when we finish the cross, the finish line, well done, good and faithful servant. Living the Christ-following life sometimes can be very discouraging. And I can tell you as a pastor, I'd love nothing more than to see droves of souls coming through these doors and coming forward broken in repentance and crying out to God to save them. I wish every door we knocked on when we begin our new outreach, which Lord willing, I'm having a luncheon today, uh, with Tiago and Jessica. They're going to get this thing rolling before they head out. We're going to be discussing how we as a church family are going to, again, go into the highways and hedges and compel them. Come in. So pray for that. I'd love to see. And look, God very well may. It's God's prerogative, not mine. I need to make my request known. With, prayer, with thanksgiving, right? Prayer, supplication. We, we read this passage. You heard Nate read this. So yes, we need to, with thanksgiving, offer these requests. And, and if God chooses to say, I'm going to open the windows of heaven on Community Baptist Church and pour out in such a way you can't contain, I mean, you're just going to be bubbling over. Praise be to God. That'd be awesome. 
But are you also feeling awesome about if God says your path's going to be tough? You're going to be diligent to share the Word. You're going to pour your heart and life into people and they're going to reject you. Well, they're not really going to reject you. They're actually rejecting the Lord. And you're going to be discouraged at times. You're going to suffer because of it. Can we still in that say, even if God slays me, yet will I praise Him? Our perspective is an eternal perspective. And we must not lose sight of that. We need to simply obey. The Israelites stopped short. And this is passage in Hebrews is a warning to us. Don't stop short. Believe Him. Hold strong. Abiding, living in. God's Word is evidence of true discipleship. Let my Word abide in you. You abide in my Word. Are you abiding in His Word? Are you abiding in His Word? Is His Word abiding in you? Again, that should be evident. All right, let's continue on. What else do we see about God's Word? God's Word is the means to sanctification. That's that passage I referenced earlier, John 17, 17. You may want to write it down, look it up. Also, we see God can do dramatic works with the Holy Spirit as His Word is being preached. That's why I would encourage you, pray for the pulpit ministry. You know, we used to have, uh, you remember Miss Mary Margaret headed up our pastor's prayer team. And I, I remember she was very faithful in getting the list out to everybody a month in advance. And many of you participated in the pastor's prayer team. And you would gather in the, in the library while I was preaching the Word of God in this pulpit. And there was intercession going on for the proclamation of God's Word that the listeners would hear, that the Holy Spirit would deliver His Word unhindered. Those were powerful days. I remember the knowing. There's just something about it. You just knew the power of God was at work. Because God's people were being faithful to pray. That's not original. Look, uh, we talked about this this past week. Dean brought it up about Spurgeon. And he had underneath the pulpit in the place that he was preaching. They called it the boiler room because that's where the heat came from. And they were offering prayers uh, underneath, literally underneath the pulpit as the Word of God was being preached. Pray for the pulpit ministry. The Holy Spirit works through His Word as it's being preached. What else do we see? God's Word. Hearing God's Word builds faith in us. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. If you're not content where you are in your understanding of God's Word, you say, we well, don't really know a whole lot about that. You know, it's amazing when I go out and I do street preaching or I do witnessing or, or one-on-one with somebody. There's a little test I like to ask, especially young people, teenagers. I love to ask them to name the Ten Commandments for me. And without fail... You know, they might rattle off a handful at best. The sad thing is I ask church people and they get about the same amount. But anyway, about a handful of them. 
And then, when we learn this through the way of the master, then we follow up with, I usually ask the young people, how many beers can you name? Boom, 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 man, they start rattling off untold. Some beers I never even heard of, but uh, they must be real. Isn't that a sad commentary? We know more about the things of this world than we do about the very Word of God. Our Creator, the one who gives us life, the one who gives us our very breath, all good gifts come from our Father above. Anything good in your life, anything good in my life is from Him. And yet I know so little about Him in exploration of His love letter to us. I use me, we, in that collectively. The Word of God. Hearing God's Word builds faith in us because I know more of who He is. And when I understand who He is and I'm in this relationship with Him, it becomes apparent. Just like I'm in a relationship with my wife and I know my wife and and she knows me better than anyone, I can take her at her word. Because I know her character. I know who she is. I know her life. I know her pattern. I know her intimately. And when we are in a relationship with God and we are known by Him intimately and we know Him intimately, then we understand how and who God is. How He works. And I can take Him at His word. The longer I spend time with my wife the sweeter that relationship grows. I begin to learn even more and understand even more. Why would our relationship with God be any different? So, what else do we got? I'm going to wrap this up. Holding fast to the Word of God can give us present assurance of salvation. One of the things in counseling that we do and that we go through the salvation first, the next step that we talk about in our life exchange counseling is assurance you will be shocked how many people are having issues in their life because of this root cause, a lack of assurance. Again, don't go after the symptoms. I was reminded of this this morning. I was listening to uh, Go Mix Radio with Pastor Jeremy Varner. What was it again? Amen. Yeah, what's the station? Uh, go Mix Christian Radio. Yeah, what's the... Ch- oh, yeah. And what was another one? <laughs> I caught him sleeping. Sorry, Mike, you had a long week. That's right. <laughs> it is, uh, by the way, Sherathon week. I'll be on there Wednesday, right? Okay. I was trying to give you a plug there, man. I teed it up for you, but that's all right. But assurance. How many people struggle with assurance? And, and, and if you're not secure in this relationship, you're not going to be secure in these relationships. This one is where it all comes into focus. And then you're able to see better how to work in these areas. And so whatever problem you're facing, whatever trial you're in, wherever you find yourself, again, it comes back to this. And the Word of God is where you'll find your answer. So, what else? I'm going to finish these points we're going to wrap up. The faithful handling of the Word of God gives the ministers of the Word a clear conscience. 
This one has been tested <laughs> very recently. There's a lot of stuff being put out there, guys, that's uh, unbiblical. Praise God for His Word, which doesn't change. His Word doesn't change. I know I'm going to probably bother some people with this statement. I'm not intending to bother anyone with this statement. I am seeking to speak the truth in love because I carry the responsibility of a shepherd and shepherding your heart and shepherding this flock to warn you of things that I do not think is healthy for your diet, spiritually speaking. And there's a lot of cotton candy Christianity that, us, that's, that many of us feed on, and I understand why. feels good. Somebody says, well, I got a little low sugar. Sometimes I need a little something sweet to get me balanced. I understand what you're saying. But we better handle the Word of God properly. I am able to tell you things like, I don't need to see the shack. All right? Um, what's the other one recently that's been going around? Say again? Yeah that's, yeah, that's a whole other story. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, anyway, we won't go there. Here's the point. Guys, if I want to know who God the Father and the Holy Spirit is, I'm going to look at the Word of God. You want to know, what, you want to know where the author of the shack is? I know I'm meddling. Read his second book, just came out. 25 Lies People Believe About God. This is how the enemy works, guys. I'm not faulting the author. I don't know his relationship with the Lord. I, that's between him and God. I understand. But I know what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and what I'm reading that he's writing is wrong. Look at his next book. Tim Chalice has a, has a great article on it. And, it's, and, it, and it lists quotes from the book. Take the quotes and line it up with Scripture. See if it fits. It doesn't. Now, I know it might help you feel good, and that's great. I'm glad you feel good. But guys, understand, I have a responsibility as a shepherd to shepherd your heart. And I'm saying, red alert, red alert, red alert, for a reason. Why? Because I have a clear conscience based upon what I'm reading in God's Word to know that this doesn't line up with this. And if this doesn't line up with this, which do I reject? They know that they've done all they can before God. You can be mad at me. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I love you. I love you enough to call it the way it is. And while I'm on this soapbox, let me just go ahead and hit everybody with it. All right, we'll get it done and we'll be ready for next week. All right? Sin is sin. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses for it. You know why there's no rest in your soul? 
Same reason why there's no rest in my soul when I find myself in these valleys or in these desert places. If I find myself in a situation where I'm going to choose my circumstances and I'm going to do what Jeremy wants to do and Jeremy's going to be on the throne of his life because I deserve it, well, guess what? I'm going to get more than I deserve. Probably I'm going to get a lot and then some of chastisement. I don't understand why there's no peace in my life. I don't Those whom God loves, He chastens. I've been in that place. If you walk with God long enough, you will all find yourself at a given moment in that place. Don't stay in that place. Allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to bring conviction. Agree with God that this is wrong and repent of it. Guys, He loves you. He's not doing it to rain on your parade. He's doing it because He loves you. Just like when you discipline your child, you do it because you love them. So, don't know what your circumstances are, but the Word of God will give you a clear conscience, I promise. So, with that, the Word of God is our sword of the Spirit. It is our equipment for spiritual battle, especially in the idea of offensive weapon. Um, let's click to that next page. I think that's it on the God's Word. Um, no, I got one more. The Word of God comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, with much assurance and critical aspect of the ministry of the Word. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. And what's that next one? The Word of God works effectively in those who believe. And the next one is... The Word of God sanctifies the very food we eat. And I know some of you said, Amen, I'm ready to eat. So we'll stop right there. Where are you at, spiritually speaking? Are you wandering in the desert? Are you standing at the door of the promised land? Are you looking to find rest for your soul? Be diligent to enter the rest. Be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from His sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Let's pray. Father, I pray that Your Word would not return void. Lord, I know there was some uh, soapbox rambling this morning. I pray that uh, You'll take what needs to be taken to deliver understanding to the heart of the listener. And then if there are things that are said that need to be discarded, just let them be discarded. 
Just let your truth remain. I pray that every listener today would process prayerfully. God, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me? What are you telling me? And then, Lord, I pray we would not be like the example of those who came out of Egypt who fell in disobedience. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end is death, destruction. Lord, guard us from that path. Your Word says that we are not to lean unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge You. You will direct our path. And Lord, it goes on and tells us to depart from evil. If there's anyone here today walking in active sin, they're being disobedient to what they know Your Word tells them, then Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fall on them in convicting power and that the Word of God would not return void and that it would cut and it would cut deep. And that they would heed this warning that the Spirit of God is speaking. I pray I just simply be a vessel that the oracles of God be spoken through me. Your Word says this. And that, Lord, Your Word would not return void. Give ears to hear. Eternity may be at stake. So if you're here today... I ask you a question. Will you trust who God is? Will you take Him at His word? Will you trust Jesus Christ to be your substitution atonement for your sin? We're going to see in the days ahead that the throne room of grace is open. But I can tell you right now, it's open today. Whosoever will, let them come. Come to Him in repentance by faith. And you will find rest for your soul. Father, You do what only You can do. May the Holy Spirit bring conviction where it's needed. And for us as believers, those who are truly born again, bought by the blood of Christ... May we continue to examine ourselves daily. May we walk by faith and not by sight. And may we one day hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. And we'll give you the praise because you've made it possible through our great high priest, Jesus Christ. In His name, amen.